Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me again. Make sure you like this video, our audio, if you're listening. Make sure you subscribe, share this, help me get the word out about this new podcast. And I'm telling you, you are going to want to stay tuned. I have some very interesting guests lined up, not prepared to announce who they are. I'm, I'm still trying to line up a time for recording with them, but I am really fired up and excited. It's going to be good. You are going to want to hear from these individuals. It's going to be a blessing for sure, but I'm going to jump right into today's program, and that is we're going to talk about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and specifically who is what some would call the restrainer of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it refers to he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And in the uh, pre-trib world, many are teaching that that is referring to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer, which I'm just going to tell you that is absolutely ridiculous. And they they say that because, one, uh, they're trying to make the rapture be before the revealing of the Antichrist. And so the way they're trying to do that is they're trying to say that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, since he indwells believers, that means believers have to be taken out before the man of sin can be revealed. That is absolutely ridiculous. There is nothing in the text that implies that in any way, shape, or form. Where that comes from is Schofield's notes. And I have a Schofield Bible right here in front of me. I'm going to read what Schofield said in his notes. It says, The working of the mystery of lawlessness under divine restraint, which had already begun in the apostles' time, the apostasy of the professing church, the removal of that which restrains the mystery of lawlessness. The restrainer is a person, he. And since a mystery always implies a supernatural element, This person can be no other than the Holy Spirit in the church to be taken out of the way. So, because I've heard so many people say that over the years, that the Holy Spirit's going to be taken. It's like, you can't get that. The Holy Spirit hasn't been mentioned in this passage. But yet they will insist that's what it is. And it's because of Schofield's notes. You did not get that from reading your Bible. You got it from Schofield's notes. That's where that came from. And what a shame it is that people are teaching that. People will often say, too, uh, they will, uh, I'm talking about King James only Baptist, they will teach that Paul was writing to them because they were afraid they had missed the rapture. Well, where do you get that from this text? I don't see that at all. But you will see that if you read other versions where it says, let no man deceive you that the day of the, day of the Lord has already come. That is not what the passage says. That is not what the text says. We are King James only here. It says that the day of Christ is at hand. That's what it says, meaning imminent, meaning about to happen. So um, who is this restrainer that is mentioned there? Now, I've never had a strong position on who it was. I always knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit because that makes absolutely no sense. But I didn't know for sure what it was. And so the way I would often explain it, is I would just tell him, you know, look at what Paul said when he said, remember ye not when I was yet with you how I told you these things. So Paul is referring them back to something that he taught them, and since we weren't there for that, 
you know, obviously uh, there's some things that we might be missing uh, that we're not able to see, but they would have known exactly what he's talking about. And so I just didn't have a strong position. It didn't change what I believed about the passage, but in the pre-trib world, because they have so little, if you have an area where you're not super positive about something, that is where the pre-tribbers are going to park it. That is where they're going to camp. And so they have continued barfing this foolishness of the Holy Spirit being removed. And even though that makes no sense, even though the text does not imply that in any way. So let's go ahead and read this passage and see if anything they're saying makes sense. And I'll tell you what I believe about it. And you're going to find out it's not doesn't just make sense. It's, it's what the Bible says. But then we're going to get to the restrainer. Okay, and, and I'm and I'm going to tell you right now, I believe I know who it is. And I will admit the passage does not explicitly say it is this person. However, I do have a biblical basis for what I'm saying. While you do not have a biblical basis to say that it's a Holy Spirit, unless you think Schofield's notes are inspired. And I won't accuse you of believing that. So let's see in verse one. It says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, I submit to you that that event is the event that many would refer to as the rapture. Don't listen to these people who say you got to distinguish the difference between the rapture and the coming of Christ. Um, no, it's the same thing. In 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 15, it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout. And we all know that's the rapture. Paul called it the coming of the Lord. There is no reason to think that the coming of the Lord that Paul wrote about in 1 Thessalonians 4 is not the coming of the Lord or the same day, the same event that we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says our gathering together unto him. There is no reason for us to believe that our gathering together is not the same event that we see in 1 Thessalonians 4 when we are going to be caught up together with them, referring to those who are already asleep in Christ uh, with the Lord. Without a doubt, this is the same event, the same day. And it says that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. And I believe the day of Christ is without a doubt the rapture, the coming of the Lord, the time of our gathering. And he's saying, don't let anybody shake you that that day is at hand. Now, people will often object and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they be worried about the day of Christ being at hand? I mean, I'm excited about the coming of the Lord. I'm excited about the rapture. Well, I preached a whole sermon about this a long time ago, and I'm not going to re-preach all this. I'm just going to tell you exactly what I believe about it. They had a different mentality in the first century than Christians do in this time. They wanted to be in a good spiritual condition at Christ's coming. And if you read the book of Acts, this was a very new church. This was a church that Paul went and he preached there. A lot of people got saved, but major persecution came. And Paul was not there very long before he got ran out of town. And if you read very clearly throughout First and Second Thessalonians, Paul is clearly writing to a young church, a new church, and he is encouraging them to keep going because they were, they were in a battle and he wanted them to be faithful. He wanted them to be able to uh, get through this fight. And so, and I believe that it was, it was a priority back then that when Jesus Christ came back, that they would be in a good spiritual condition. We don't give a rip about that today. 
People are just thankful they got their eternal security, and I hope the Lord comes back so I don't have to worry about paying my bills this Friday. What a, what a sorry attitude that is. Christians, and you know what? Christians today stink. Let's just face it, they stink. And this church was not like that. This was a church, it was a new church, but it was one that was zealous for the Lord, and it was one that wanted to grow, one that wanted to do something before Christ's return. And so he's letting them know, hey, the day of Christ is not at hand. Don't listen to these people that are trying to tell you. And he goes on to remind them of some, some things that he had taught them, some eschatology. And he says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, the day of our gathering, the coming of the Lord, shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Everyone, everyone agrees there's going to be a falling away that's going to happen too. Everybody talks about the great falling away, the great apostasy. And every time there's any kind of apostasy noticeable in the church, there it is, it's the great falling away. Well, here's the problem with that. There has been so many apostasies throughout history. I mean, and for sure there's apostasy going on like crazy today. But, I mean, can you really just declare, you know, all these trendies switching their Bible version as the falling away? Or is it a little more specific? Seeing that he said, let no man deceive you, and goes on to talk about the Antichrist or the man of sin. Seeing that it's the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 24 when he said, let no man deceive you. And then he went on to warn about false Christ or false messiahs. Here's what I believe the falling away is, is the, it's going to be the world accepting another man as the Messiah, another man accepting the beast, the Antichrist. That's what it is. And, so, and that, is the, that is the falling away. There's been all kinds of falling aways, but the big one is still yet to come when that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Why are they going to accept him as the Messiah? Why? Because he says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? So he's reminding them of some things that he had taught him when he was with him. Even though he's only with him a short time, he had time to teach him some things, and he taught him about end times. And he said, you know, there is going to be a day that was going to come where there's going to be a falling away. A false Messiah was going to come along. He was going to declare himself to be God. And a lot of people are going to follow that. And so he made that statement. Remember not that I was yet with you. I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. It's like you guys are aware of what's withholding the man of sin from being revealed. You, you all know what that is because I told you about it. Now, he didn't tell us. Paul didn't tell us who it was. Okay? So are there any clues in the Bible? Are there any clues in this passage that will tell us who it is that is withholding the man of sin from being revealed? And I believe there is. I believe there is. Somebody called me the other day, told me about this, and it was just one of those deals. I was like, what? That makes a lot of sense. I never thought of that. And you know what? I Listen, I am not announcing a new teaching. There's a lot. I, I, I looked it up online. There's a lot of people that teach this. I just don't think it's been taught very much in the fundamental Baptist worlds because everybody's been corrupted by Schofield. But a lot of people who haven't, uh, they have put two and two together and came up with a theory, a good theory, I think, of exactly who this is. And it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't even been mentioned anywhere 
in this passage, and neither has the individual that I'm going to mention. But again, let's see if there's any clues uh, that could tell us who it is. So let's go ahead and read a little bit more. And so he says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So that term there, letteth, that actually, and I'm not a go back to the Greek guy, but if you look up the Greek word, it's the same word as withholdeth. And they use withholdeth in verse 6, and they use letteth in verse 7. Same Greek word. And if you look up the meaning, uh, it has several definitions, but it says uh, one is to hold down or to have or to hold fast, to keep, to let. To, oh, and, and that term let, it doesn't mean like we use it today to allow, but it actually means to hinder or restrain is what a lot of people use because that's what a lot of other versions say. It'll say restrain. Um, it, and so uh, possess, retain, seize on, take, or withhold. So that's what that word means. So something is withholding. Something is hindering. Something is restraining this man of sin from being revealed. Who is it and what is it exactly? But let's, let's go ahead and read a little bit more. So it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, after that which letteth is taken out of the way. Whoever's withholding, once they're taken out of the way, then shall that wicked be revealed. And then what's going to happen? Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And that is exactly what we see in Matthew 24. It talks about false Christ, about them doing many signs and wonders. It's going to be deceiving people with those signs and wonders. And then after that, Jesus Christ is going to return and destroy him. So this is exactly like we see in Matthew 24. It's the same order that we see in Matthew 24, without a doubt. And Paul also uses language from Daniel in this passage. And I think if we go back and we look up some of these same words and phrases in the book of Daniel, I think we can figure out who it is that's withholding. I think we can find out who the restrainer is. And uh, first thing I want to do before I tell you who it is, is um, I want you to notice that phrase Paul uses in verse 4. When it says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That reminds me of Daniel 11.36. It says, and the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that determined shall be done. So, Paul clearly, he's referring back to things that he told them. And then and Paul also gives practically a quote from Daniel about this man of sin uh, declaring himself to be God. Now, is there anything else in Daniel? Because when the person called me and they mentioned who the restrainer was, all of a sudden the wheels immediately started turning in my head because it made sense when he said it. But I was like, is there anything in Daniel that could uh, verify that for us. Is there anybody that we can find in Daniel withholding or letting or hindering or restraining the man of sin or Satan himself? There is actually. And you know who it is? It's Michael, the archangel. 
Michael the Archangel. It's not the Holy Spirit that's the restrainer. It's Michael the Archangel. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not going to be taken out of the world, but Michael the Archangel will be taken out of the way of the devil so he can reveal himself on earth and make war with the saints. So look what it says in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the, king, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. This is the first time we see Michael, the archangel, mentioned. And Michael, he's a fighting angel. Every time we see Michael, he's always fighting with somebody. And here, Gabriel's got a battle going on, and he's being kept from coming to Daniel. And, but he's finally able to get to him because Michael came and helped fight with him. And so jump to verse 20. It says, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So Gabriel's about to go do some fighting. Now, is Gabriel going to go fight him by himself? Or is he going to fight, have somebody with him in the fight? He said, but I will show thee that which is noted, noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. So notice that term. None that holdeth with me in these things, except Michael. Michael was holding with him. And one of the definitions of withholdeth, it means to withstand. So what do we see in Daniel chapter 10? We see Michael withstanding this, this, this prince of, of Persia. We see him, and I believe it's a reference to the devil. And he, he's withholding him. He's resisting him. He's trying to stop him. And then also in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, we see Michael mentioned again. It says, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. What does it mean when it says Michael's going to stand up right there? It just means he's going to get up off his chair and, and be on his feet. Or is this saying he's going to do something? Okay, I, I believe it's, it's referring to action. Michael is the one who's always fighting with the devil. Jude 1.9, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Michael's always fighting with the devil. Michael is the one, I believe, that is withholding the man of sin from being revealed. I think Satan wants to be revealed right now, but Michael is withholding him from that. Revelation 12, 7, mysterious passage. Look what it says. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea 
For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So what do we see right there? We see a fight taking place in heaven, and we see Michael casting the devil out of heaven. And obviously, there's a lot of symbolic stuff in uh, Revelation 12. It's a mysterious passage, but what I believe we're seeing right here is we are, we're seeing him cast out of heaven, but he also is allowed a space on this earth to do some damage. And we do, we believe that he's going to make war with the saints. He's going to overcome them physically, but we're going to overcome him by the blood of the lamb because we love not their lives even unto the death. And so I believe this is all. So when I believe uh, when Michael and Satan have their battle in heaven, then he is going to be allowed to reveal himself on this earth. He's going to do it through the Antichrist, that man of sin. He's going to make war with the saints, but then we're going to overcome him. And so, um, yes, Second Thessalonians 2 does not explicitly say that it's Michael the archangel. However, there is biblical precedent for that because of the fact the Apostle Paul uses language just like we see in the book of Daniel, we do see Michael the archangel withholding or holding or letting Satan. Every t- almost every time you see Michael in the Bible, he's fighting with the devil. And so at some point, I don't know when, only God knows, um, God will have Michael let Satan do his thing for a short time. And when the devil is allowed to do what he wants to, when he is able to have his way, it's just going to be for a short time. It's not going to last real long. But there will be a time that's coming, and Satan wants to get at us right now. Satan would get at us right now if he could, but he is being withheld by Michael, restrained by Michael the archangel. And one of these days, God's going to tell Michael, all right, go ahead, cast him out of heaven. And he's going to come down to earth and he is he's going to have his way for a short time. And he is going to persecute us. He is going to make war with the saints. And so um, that's what Second Thessalonians 2 is talking about. It's the exact same order of things that we see in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus stands and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. There's the falling away right there. That's the falling away. And we know the Antichrist is going to do just that. He is going to declare himself to be God. And many people are, are going to follow that. He talks about in, um, in verse 9, they're going to deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you should be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So there we see that deception that's going on again. In verse 15, you have the abomination of desolation that I believe is a clear picture of the Antichrist declaring himself to be God, putting up his image in the temple like we see in the book of Revelation. After that takes place, there's going to be great tribulation. And it says, except those days should be short and there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ or there, believe it not. Do not fall for any false messiahs. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, just like we see in 2 Thessalonians 2. 
in so much if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You know why? Because those are lying wonders. They're deceiving people with those wonders. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore they say unto you, behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Tell me that's not the same event that Paul wrote about in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, when he said, I beseech you by the coming of our Lord. People are trying to say, no, that's a, that's a different event. That makes no sense at all. Paul called it the coming of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians 4. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, he called it the coming of the Lord. He called it our, the time of our gathering together. And so people, they, they've got to make that a different event. Why? Because verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is Jesus getting ready to destroy Satan with the brightness of his coming. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. He's going to gather his elect. Are you going to tell me that's not our gathering together? Are you really going to tell me that? Okay, you're getting that out of a textbook, not a theology book. You're not getting that from the Bible. There is no reason to think that the gathering of the elect is not our gathering together that Paul mentioned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But pre-tribbers are desperate. They're getting desperate with the language of the Bible because the language of the Bible couldn't be more clear. I've even heard several people use this. This is a bad argument, but I've, a lot of people are using this argument because they're getting desperate where they will literally go to verse 16 to prove it's not the event in Matthew chapter 24 because we see Jesus coming in the clouds and sending his angels to gather the elect. And they'll say, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself. That means when Jesus comes at the rapture, he's coming by himself. Wait a minute. Does it mean the Lord by himself is going to come or that it's the Lord himself? It's like, you know, that it's, it's, it's Jesus himself. Hey, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. A lot of times, you know, you can say maybe the president, he will send someone on their behalf to do something. And they will come in the name of the president. And they will come in his authority. But it's not the president himself. And Jesus, when he returns for us, he is not going to, uh, he's not just going to send his angels. No, he's coming too. The Lord himself is going to be there. It doesn't mean by himself. And here's proof that it's not him by himself. Because he's writing specifically comforting the, comforting the people that were there about those who had fallen fallen asleep and he said in verse 14 for if we believe that jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in jesus will god bring with him so it said when jesus comes he's bringing those who sleep with him so he's not coming by himself but god him jesus himself will be coming that's how desperate they are and you know what else pre-tribbers always say you ought to learn to distinguish the christ coming for his saints and christ coming with his saints He's coming with his saints right here. He's literally coming with his saints. In that passage, it says in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. 
I don't know how else to, you know, I don't know how it can be more clear that the coming of the Lord, the gathering, these are all the same event. It's the rapture. And it, it happens after the falling away, after the revealing of the Antichrist. Pre-tribbers cannot define what the falling away is. They just make it a very general thing, and the falling away happens every year. Every time there's some new heresy that comes out or some new movement of apostasy that takes place. No, the, the falling away is a very specific thing where people are being deceived into thinking someone else is Jesus Christ. But it's going to be in a big way. There's been, there's been a lot of little false Christs you know, throughout time. I'm sure they're out there today deceiving little groups here or there. But there's going to be a big one coming one of these days that we see in Revelation. And that's going to happen before the rapture before the coming of our Lord. And so, folks, we own 2 Thessalonians 2. What pre-tribbers do, some pre-tribbers go as far as to teach that the falling away is a falling off the planet. How many of you have ever seen a rocket ship flying into space and thought, look at that thing fall? It doesn't make any sense. And so they're basically saying, and let's just say the falling away is the rapture. So they're basically saying the day of Christ can't happen until the rapture happens. I thought the day of Christ was the rapture. I thought the coming of our Lord and our gathering together was the rapture. So you're saying that the day of Christ, the coming of our Lord, the gathering together, that can't happen until the rapture happens? That doesn't even make any sense. That makes no coherent sense at all. And just understand, if you are going to hold to a pre-tribulation rapture, you are going to have to mangle 2 Thessalonians 2, you are going to have to teach from more from Schofield than you are from the Bible itself, and you're going to have to use his notes. And if you are teaching that the restrainer is the Holy Ghost, you have no biblical basis. You only have Schofield's notes. I believe it's Michael the Archangel. I have a biblical basis for that. It is not explicitly stated in there, but we do see evidence. There is strong reason to believe that it is, it is Michael the Archangel based on Paul's referrals to or Paul's use of language similar to Daniel and based on what Daniel actually says. And every time we see Michael, he's always fighting with the devil. So that's what I believe the restrainer is. Michael, the archangel, definitely not the Holy Spirit. So 2 Thessalonians 2, it's ours. We own it. It proves a rapture that takes place after the revealing of the Antichrist End of story, mic drop, deal with it. Not trying to be a jerk, but it's it's that clear. And so with that, we will close out this program. And Lord willing, tomorrow's episode, hopefully I will have the guests, assuming we can get everybody uh, uh, lined up and recorded. But I'm really excited. Even if it's not tomorrow, it's coming. And you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you like, subscribe, uh, share this. Help me get the word out. Help me, um, you know, if... All the platforms that we're on, subscribe to those. We're, we're popping up on more and more. I'm getting this podcast stuff figured out, these platforms figured out. But I appreciate you helping me uh, spread the word on this. It's a great blessing and a help. So we will see you all next time. God bless.